Yeah. And we go live. We turn we go for Blue Bros, baby. We are live. Round five fan cams after a heart-stopping three-point win. Another one in the bag, though. That's it, right? No, that's right. Four and one. Up the baggers! Baggers, baby! <laughs> No, it was not okay, but we won. Where's the pom? The pom is here. Fuck, I think I'm close to retirement. I have aged about 45 years in fucking three weeks. What? What is wrong with these bastards, man? I just had to walk out. I just needed to calm down, man. I just needed to calm down. Look, you take four and one any day of the week, but I just don't know if there's any substance to the teams that we're beating at the moment. That's the army. And they got to iron that six, seven goals out. they got to iron that out because that's going to come back to bite us in the long run. I'm still shaking a bit, so... It's a bit like that. It is. It's a lot like that. Go Blues. Go Blues. Ah, that's heavy! Mate, these fucking fan camps tonight are like a fucking nursing home. What's wrong with all you blokes? Fuck it out, man. It's not fucking 5.30 dinner. The Arcadia wing. Calm down, Elodia. How are you, Terry? I'm four and one, baby. That's how I am. Tell you. See that? I was stressed. See, like, sweat. Like, I was watching the live stream of Holly. And it was unreal. I feel like, as a group, and I wrote this in my preview, um, we're motivated by fear of losing. Adam, my man, welcome to Carlton winning football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to drop dead at 30, mate, with high blood pressure. This. If he said we're going to be four months, it's out of here. Everyone said we'll take it. And we're five games into Boston's system. We've been copying it for so long. But we held on. I had a heart attack by the end, man. Far out. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to come on, but I just thought, fuck, no. Nah, I've got to express myself. I'm dying here. We won half of our games. Versus last year already. Five rounds in. Wow. True. Four and one, man. How, how good? Like, unreal. Every glass half full. Gotta be. Christ, mate. Like, I don't think many teams could match us with how we played in the first two quarters. With one aspect of key focus in terms of our game, which is, you know, contestable clearance, it's more than good enough to stand up against, you know, decent opposition. If Charlie does keep going the way he's going, we could make finals and have another Coleman on the shelf for one of our players. Oh, 100%. If we can get that going for all four quarters, you know, especially with the next few weeks, we're, we're climbing up. But if we can if we continue with these performances and we continue getting the four points, then, you know, you look at the, you look at the latter at the end of the year and you suddenly got a lot of points accumulated. And, you know, I'd be, I'd be quite happy, to be honest. Bossy is our man. I mean, I, I watched his uh, press conference last week and that guy, he's not arrogant. He's just, he's a measured, measured professional and he just gets on with the job. And I think, you know, with his, with his, with that sort of, that sort of class and, and sort of skill, um, you know, if we got him for, you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of seasons, to, you know, down the track, we're going to, we're going to see a definitely different cult. Well, one more thing to say. Um, with all the Carlton fans out there, just keep sticking with with us, just and get get on board if you're not a member, and you have a happy Easter. See you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome! Monday night round.
is in the books. Welcome to the Blue Abroad Show. I'm Tez, joined with Pom. Mate, let's have it. Easter special, the Pom's back. Uh, not much, mate. Um, everyone in the chat, give the old man a little bit of a congratulations. It's his birthday today, so his birthday treat is he gets an hour with me. Not a lot of people get an hour with me. It's nowhere else I'd rather be. It's the, uh, yes, it's my birthday today. It's also Blue Abroad's birthday because on the 18th of April, well, the 17th of April, 2018, the Instagram account was created. So four years, mate. It's crazy. Jesus Christ. And yeah, and look, I've aged about 10 years doing this two years with you and you still look the same age. So, I mean, says a lot, doesn't it? Says a yeah. lot. The eyebrows have gotten a little bit more cleaner since the beginning, but here we are. I mean, the background used to be a minefield in Beirut, and now you've got a studio. Check you out. I know, I know. No, it's great. It's great. It's um, it's been a, it's been a good day of reflection. But we have a job to do, and that is to talk about what happened on the weekend because it was a good weekend. Um, before we do, thanks obviously to the members of the channel. Um, your support is unbelievable, and it's great to meet you out at the footy as well, and and connect and put faces to names. Uh, you know, your support's incredible. And yeah, I'm definitely feeling all the love and the gratitude for what was seemingly, mate, just a little idea, little idea. It's amazing what happens when you when you action it and you put in the the day-to-day grind and and then, you know, just be patient with things. So yes, members, thank you. Pommy, I want to know a bit about um, your stress levels before we get into the game and everyone's stress levels. Because yesterday, everyone's a little bit worked up. <laughs> Oh, mate, people can attest. I was as calm as shit on the live. Never worried. What a load of bollocks. I was the proper switchy bum. I tell you, that, that fourth quarter might have been the longest, what, 20 minutes plus stoppages ever in my life. I tell you, if if that's 20 minutes, uh, someone needs to count to 60, 20 times. I don't think it was. But no, it was tough, wasn't it? But we got through it in the end. It was good fun. It was. It was good fun. It was a. It was a lovely day out. Um, we, what I'll do is, I guess, just ask the question. So, Pom, give us your summation of the game. I know you did your review today, so I want to. I want to tap into that a little bit as well, as to how you saw the performance. But for those of you in the audience, three words in the comments, please, as to what your experience was in round five. Um, I'll give you an analogy because I'm famous for them. If it was a boxing fight. The first six rounds were us standing toe-to-toe. We were ducking and we were weaving. They weren't hitting us. We were getting inside the guard, working the body. We hit them on the chin whenever we wanted. And then the next four rounds of this championship fight, we decided just to stand there with our hands behind our back and get pummeled in the face, and kind of like Rocky Balboa. And then the last two rounds, we just clung on. We just clung on until five seconds left on the clock. We put the final blow in and they fell to their knees and took the 10 count. It was it was a game of, the, the same football game of two halves. That was a game of four quarters, wasn't it? Like we had a bit of everything in all four. From top of the ladder, quarter one, to contenders, quarter two, to what the fuck's going on, quarter three. And by quarter four, it was like we'd raffled off the tickets for 22 people to play for the club, hasn't it? It's, our best to worst is brilliant. It is literally the perfect example of a game where you can test your own personal situation as to whether you're a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of 
uh, thinker because it was literally split down the middle. The first half, I mean, I think over the last few weeks, we've been seeing a good quarter followed by, you know, two and a half or three quarters of, of momentum from the other team. Whereas this game was split down the middle. That first half, I think Liam said it, there's only a couple of teams that I think can handle what we do in that first half. Spot on. I mean, you listened to Simon Goodwin last week. He talked about the importance of pre-season and Carlton giving them a lesson has really upped their tempo, has upped their tempo. And that's a big accolade for Carlton. And it shows when it's good, how good it can be. When it's when it falls off, though, it's it ain't the best place to be, is it? To be, I mean, if we're feeling it, imagine what they feel. Like, because yeah. you see it on their faces as well. It's not just, I was chewing my collar half that third quarter. I think some of the players wanted a hug in that third quarter. But what is interesting, if you've watched that game, George Hewitt's getting a lot of uh, props in the in the audience. Where does he come from? Sydney. And long and, and Horse has got a real big thing about standing up in pressure, being accountable. It's 22 men, not 22 leaders. And that guy takes the piss, doesn't he? If his house is burning down, he walks in and picks up his mobile phone. That's how calm that guy is. Like, I've never yeah. seen any human being like it. So it's it's a long way, isn't it? It's a long way to the top. It is a long way to the top. I felt the stress go away pretty quickly. I, I must say, I, I'm trying my best to stay as high level in my thought about what's going on as possible and, and understanding what each step is for what it is. And I think the overarching feeling is I've just got this weird trust and faith in in the process that we're now on, on this journey that we're now on. And, um, you know, I definitely would rather be talking about wins in these situations and losses. Having said that, definitely don't want to be talking about a loss that we can see coming if we don't clean this stuff up. And, you know, we spoke about it on the fan cams. Now that we've had a chance to sleep on it, what do you think is the contributing factor to to the drop off? You did give the the boxing analogy, which I like. I actually like that a lot, and I, I tend to agree. We're going all out. It's a new game plan. Um, it's a lot more intense. It's a lot more hard work. These this is the hardest I've seen the group work in game ever as a group. And you know, it's going to be inconsistent. The question is, how long for? Great question. Um, and it, we probably need an hour, more than an hour to dissect that question alone. Um, I think really first and foremost, if you actually look at the side, if you look at the yeah. side, there's there's wonderful learnings if people actually care to look at them. First quarter was the most times that Carlton have escaped the contest, which is amazing because the last two weeks we've nearly lost a game and lost a game because we couldn't get it away from the contest, as demonstrated this week by Hawthorne. Geelong play on a ground that's narrower than Heathrow Airport. They got battered by Hawthorne because Hawthorne control the corridor. Geelong only know corridor football because their ground is Mickey Mouse. Week before, though, St Kilda, they like to spread their wings and fly. The rats and game plan absolutely destroyed them. In the third quarter, there was a moment, five minutes 32 into the third quarter, Zach Williams picks up the ground ball get from a wonderful spoil by Lewis Young. He goes inbound. Sam, Sam Doherty is in acres of space and he drill, he fucks the kick up, turns it over. 
and the rebound 50s just occur. And that is what is killing Carlton. When they switch off, we've got a little stat. If you want to bring it up now, it might be a good yeah. time. Yep, yeah, I've got it coming up now. Talk us through this. This is where it falls off. So you'll see quarter one, two and four and the change between their average metrics. So you can see the margin there, average is six. Second quarter is our best quarter, 14.6, 2.2 in our fourth. We, we break even. And then it's that third quarter. And you see the change here. And I want you to look at the against in red, 7.4. And that is the alarm bells for Michael Voss because that is where... Calton, not only very similar to the first quarter, a lot of their numbers, but you'll notice something different. The pressure affects our kicking. If you watch that game this week, in the second half, Calton played on from nearly 41% of any opportunities inside 50, as opposed to 12% in the first half. And that is a common theme. That's a sign of pressure because you'll see two guilty parties are Harry and Charlie. And their natural temperament is to play on. You saw Charlie this week and Harry take a bit of time. Do you know what I mean? Take a bit of time on them set shots. It's something they're growing to do. And that is definitely something that Carlton do. You've got to remember, I'm going to bore you here, but the media have told you about this and warned you about it. 15th of June last year, Riley Beveridge. Carlton have got a serious issue. Nine of the 13 games of the Carlton's last 13 games, they have been 30 points down at any point in the game, only to draw level or hit the front. Four of these games, they've gone on to loss, to lose. At this stage, it appears that the Teague train is derailed and it's fatigued at the station. If Carlton can't score well, they're never going to contest. 11th of July, Lee Matthews said, if Carlton cannot control the football from stoppages, and centre clearances. With the players they have on the list now, there is no hope, no chance. David T, pre-season that year, said that their biggest issue in 2020 was their ability to concede goals in batches. The primary aim of our pre-season this year has been our work around stoppages and controlling the football, retaining possession with a high focus on inside 50 tackles. He also went on to say he had faith in the group and they must start well because scoreboard pressure is the main pressure. Mark Robinson at the bye last year said, Carlton are soft. That is the new brand of football, defined by a soft Carlton with no pressure, no clue, no hope. And on the 30th March, he said, David, Teague, David King said, David Teague's game plan is fraudulent masked by last-minute red-time efforts to merely make the scoreboard look more presentable, to paper over the cracks of their deficiencies. This At the end of last season, Carlton were ranked 17th for tackles inside 50, currently number one. 8th for tackles this year, around the ground, 16th last year. We are number one side in the competition for disposals and effective disposals. We were 18th in both of them last year. Our effective disposal efficiency is fourth in the league this year, only 16th last year. We are the second best scoring clearance side and the third best stoppage clearance side, ranked 17th and 16th. And we are the second best centre clearance side and the number one clearance side in the competition, 15th the year before. What I'm trying to say there is in the space of four weeks, Four rounds, David 
David Teague, how that's based on David Teague's two pre-seasons and half a season we won't count. Voss has turned that team around to a team that now is super competitive in the facets that the club has identified and the media for the last two years as a deficiency in Carlton. So what we're talking about here is layers. And he has got the cake now. Now it's icing the thing. So to be fair, everyone in the audience, give Voss a fucking clap on the back. Because that, that has never happened in the AFL, just so you know. No one has ever gone that high from your love. Bottom two, most of them stats I've just reeled off. Phenomenal effort. Yeah. And I think now we have got five games, which is a solid subsection of, of the season now and a solid amount of data to look at and see what the trends are. Is anything surprising you? I mean, you, you did mention how it hasn't happened the way we've been able to turn it around, but there, is there anything that you are surprised to see so far? Tackles inside 50. Cal, uh, legit. Carlton have ranked horrifically in that. And it's weird because why I'm so passionate about it is the media feed you a story. The media feed you a story that David Teague was the saviour because he won a few cheap games at the start of his tenure. They refused to check any other stats. And then they started to hang him for the stats that were improving. And now they're hanging Voss and saying, oh, he's got a workout turnover. Oh, he's got a workout turnover. Well, if you've ever tried to fix anything and you've ever worked in coaching, training, or you've learned something yourself, you don't learn the full article. There's modules and you fix the essentials first and then you add the whimsy things. Do you know what I mean? You don't go into a job. You've just started a new job. They're not going to teach you everything straight away. They teach you the core values and then they layer it and they layer it. And in a year's time, because you are who you are, you'll probably run that place. That is how good development works. To be fair, the media should be really saying Michael Voss is a genius, but yes, transition is shit. It's going to kill us. We don't use the fat side of the ground. Carlton have never heard of the wings at the moment. It was the first time we played on the wing was this this week, first quarter, and we battered yeah. aside. So give him time. Like I am telling you now, Carlton may limp into the eight. They should get in the eight. Do you know what I mean? They should do. Next year, though, is the year that you should be saying another preseason, maybe a few players in. Where are these boys? But I guarantee that the state of development, by the by, Carlton are going to be a different side altogether because every yeah. week something has been added. And you've got to forget the players we're missing, Mitch McGovern, four score launches and four intercepts on average over his first couple of games. That's dead. We haven't got that. We haven't got that anymore. Cripps has been missing. We got battered in the contest in that third quarter. We couldn't quite get the job done. We've never really had a full complement of staff to play his game plan. And it's always bit part players. So and like Peter says here, imagine the finished article at the moment. We're creating a beautiful baby. You wait till this thing's rocking out at its year 11 ball. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm very much on the same wavelength of feeling like it can only get better from here. Yeah, I mean, I just I just, I have such a, a, a... I mean, this time last year, we might not have as fans the full context of what's going on on the inside and the instructions and all and all of that, but we watch games so closely and, and you know, repetitively that we pick up on, on energy and we pick up on 
on application and we pick up on connection. You know, I can reel off literally this time last year, Port Adelaide round five, Pino gets in a little scruff on the middle of the ground and at the MCG, no one goes to help him. Little things like that, we were talking about the disconnect there. So it's a good start, but it is only just that. And, and you know, I, I, I think as the challenges come this season with more injuries to come, you would assume it just happens. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. The winter's coming well and truly. So what does that mean for health and safety protocols? It's, you know, it, it is it is an exciting time. Yeah, and what I want the fans to think about is you say that the biggest thing for this side is it's got less than a 40% win percentage, right, in its mm. team. So that means these guys are specialists in failure. And I want you to think of something. When I used to coach golf, right, and I, co- I coached some very good players, very good players, you found you could fix their ailments and they'd look really sexy on the driving range. And then they'd come to you and they were leading in the third round or the second round and they shit themselves. And there's a reason, going back to a boxing analogy, you're in a heavyweight title fight, 12th round. You're behind on points. You've been knocked down six times. Your face looks like the elephant man, right? And your coach looks at you and says, mate, just go out there and swing for the hills. You're either going to get knocked out or you get a lucky punch and knock him out. All the pressure is on the guy winning on the scorecard. Because now he's got this horrible thing of, Jesus, Terry swinging his arms wildly. If I get knocked with one of them, I'm going down. I've done the hard work. That's why Carlton were fraudulent. Because it's easy to chase, but it takes yes. a real, real test of character. It's really hard, you know, when you're the big dog and you've got all these horrible hyenas yapping at you. It takes a real character. And the boys don't have that character yet. They'll fucking learn it, though, because Sam Doherty's immortal. Do you know what I mean? George Hewitt evidently laughs in the face of fire. I've heard COVID is scared of George Hewitt. Harry Mackay takes marks against gods. Charlie Kernow's the best-looking thing Melbourne's ever produced. Like, they'll learn this, but at the moment, these guys are little soft babies. They've never, ever been chased by anyone. Maybe girls yeah. in the playground, but that's it. They, they don't know how to be the tough guy. They know how to chase and that's tough. Yeah. I had a look at the album of the game. And I want you to look at this photo here. And it, it hit me straight away when I'm when I was thinking about the game. And obviously you're looking at Jacob Wiedering, Sam Walsh. I mean, Jacob Wiedering, we're talking about year seven. Harry's right there, year seven. Um, you know, these are the guys that led the group out. I, I know it's just an image, but I feel like this says so much. Wiedering to me. It's a very it's it's the first time he's captured in a home Look game. Look at them boys, bro. Look at the fire in Harry's eyes. He's about to kill someone, Harry. Well, that's that's the point. The the point I'm I'm trying to make is, in terms of, they've totally taken ownership of this club. It's obviously it had to happen. We we really let go of the Murphy Betts era last year and, and Levi Caspold and, and all of that. And um, this is the early phases of them totally having control of this club now. There's no more backstories or subplots about champions who have played 300 games. There's none of that anymore. There's no more road to 300. There's no more road to 350. It's just them. And, you know, I, I think they're going okay. I really do. Mate, I think what you just said there, what the best thing Carlton can do, right, look, is write 1995 on a piece of paper. Yeah. Do that. It's not 995 anymore. The cold yeah. hard facts of reality is Carlton 
football-wise, a Gold Coast Suns with history. That is mm. the difference. Do you know what I mean? In the last 10 years, we've played as many finals as Gold Coast has. Do you know what I mean? We've been as good as Gold Coast have. It's The AFL know that. They don't respect us. And them young men there, they were about to go to war. Not for me, not for you, for all of us. And mm. they need us behind them. It's all right believing Carlton are the best side in the world and thinking, oh, well, Cooter used to run around and win flags. Cooter's not playing anymore. Do you know what I mean? Simple as Cooter. I, I, I know Cooter. I have coffee with him. He can't run out and win you a game anymore. He'd die. So it's these guys. These are the heroes. We've got to get behind them, man. Got to get behind them. And they're doing... You know, I've never been proud of this side. I come on here and I'm the harshest bastard to these players because I believe in them. I'm starting to see a little bit of evidence that my belief wasn't misfaith. So let's get behind them. They're learning. They're going to fuck up. They're going yeah. to. Because all they've ever done is fuck up. Well, now... It's their chance to create a new history. And hopefully, in 10 years' time, you and me are drinking a peanut and grigio together, handing this over to two younger, better-looking people, and we're laughing about how we won four flags in six years. Yeah. I think the, the other storylines... Actually, I'll, I'll ask everyone, what were the other storylines from the day that, that you think maybe haven't been covered just yet? <clears throat> Charlie Kernow is obviously one of them that I want to bring up. Um just the story of where he's at and and the fact that he seems to keep getting better. He, he They just posted an article on uh, on the Carlton website with Charlie. He's talking about how you know, it's been a challenge, two years on the sidelines, um, backing it up week to week. It's It's been a challenge for him. Um, he's only now starting to feel like he's in a good routine during the week. Um, it's – I think we mustn't take for granted – and we easily do because it just happened. He played and he played well and he kicked five. But we can't take for granted every time it does happen, especially this early in the season. It's just great to have him back, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you saw him a day this week, played on Aaliyah Aaliyah. And you've got to remember six games ago, Aaliyah Aaliyah not only cost Wheater in an All-Australian, but broke yours and mine heart, didn't he? He yes. made Shannon cry on our yes. live stream. yes. Well, Charlie Kerno just said, you know what, mate? Not today, mate. This is my town. And batted him. And I thought another story, I thought that's not going to be talked about in the AFL, is resilience. Certain players fucked up in the third quarter. Lewis Young, three brave spoils after making two of the worst handball errors inside defensive 50. That, that's the character. If we're going to win a flag, these players need to learn fast. I've made a mistake, but you know what? I owe you one. I owe you one. And he paid it back. Two very important yeah. spoils. Yeah. The other part, I'm going to read a few of these out, but before I do, the other part about the game was, was Voss's presser when he was asked about, you know, the fade out. And he referred it to a, just a lack of concentration and focus. And, you know, we talk a lot about the mental part of this game and clearly that wasn't there last year again, last week against the Suns, but to be able to lock in in the zone that they were in that first half for four full quarters is, is again, not something this group has been doing. So is it just as simple as focused? Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And 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 I think I think the other part as well, I want to bring some of these these other storylines up. Pito getting the love that he got was really good to see. I'd love to see uh, everyone appreciate what he does bring to the team. In an ideal world, though, what is the mix for you? What is the ruck mix? Is it Pitto with Jack helping? Is it Pitto with Tom? Is it 
Is it Tom with Jack helping? What What is the ideal mix, do you think? Or are we literally just a team that will change it every week? My concerns with TDK is Ruckman are like dogs. One year for a midfielder is seven years for them. Like, it, it yeah. takes a while. And I, I thought Voss did the brave call of dropping him because last week was, was an aberration. He was never going to beat Wits. But you saw when Jack went against him, he was smart. He stood in front of him. He acted as a body. He made it harder for Wits. And incidentally, won four of his hitouts versus Wits. This week, he went against Soldo. He was not an elite Ruckman. And what he's worrying is he played predominantly on Samson Ryan. And he's piss, let's be honest. And Ryan beat him, in fairness. So I think with he's got to... Ideally, we'd have him. He's a great rotation. The top teams play with it. At the moment, I think he needs to really work because I can see it affecting his confidence. I saw a man who psychologically remembered playing wits when he saw the size of Solder, which mm. is what we've done to a lot of players, overplayed them out of necessity, not what's good for them. It's what's good for us. I liked the look of it against the Ds because Tom played a relatively good game and was relatively influential in that game. I said this in my review. I wish I wish we could just inject three years of experience into Tom and have him playing right now with Pito because love Pito, always have, love the job that he does. I still think it's imperative for us to have some sort of a chop out. And yes, Jack does give us that, but Tom has that point of difference with the athleticism. And I think the two of them together, provided that they're both in form, and that's, that's the big thing. We need Tom to be at his best. Mate, I agree with you. And I, I think what Voss did was brilliant leadership. I, I saw a man very unconfident again. Mm. And he got into the game towards the end in the VFL. Credit to him. Yep. But early doors, you could see, because he got battered. You've got a feel for TDK. He will have gone away and gone, I really let my team down today because I have the responsibility. I went from apprentice to acting, Ruckman, and... He got schooled. So for me, Murkoff, Murkoff did well, but again, he's still a bit away and you don't want to, he's starting to build a bit of form himself. So got a, you've got, you've got, a, you've got a while to go. Do you know yeah. what I mean? A, a while to go. For sure. A bit more patience in that, in that position, for sure. Um, the other two players I want to bring up who have been criticised a bit uh, for rightly, wrongly, whatever, Jack Martin, the first one, he had the, the 10 score involvements, finally had a game. I mean, he, he did fade and a lot of them did, but really did some serious work in that first half in particular. And I, I think he he played one of the better games that he's played for a while. And, and Zach Fisher, whew, I think that might have been one of his best games of his career. Well, I mean, I thought the selection said to me, and a lot of people were complaining Jack Martin kept his job. I said, all them outs, if I'm Jack Martin now, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, the gun's at me. Uh, logically, I'm the next one out, the next yeah. guy out. And especially with Kent's form the last two weeks, playing his role, particularly as the conduit, which is a struggle town for Cowan. What a great way to respond. He's still the specialist in two quarters out of four, which probably suits this team at the moment as well. But he's always going to be a downhill skier. Like I, I hate the negativity Jack Martin gets. He's a proper downhill skier. When you're going good, he'll always be good. He's he's the cream. Jay Sauce is your workhorse on the other flank. 
So once he gets involved, he, he's hard to beat. And a great response from him and Fisher, another yeah. guy that's got a lot of abuse the last couple of weeks, stepped up. And that's what good sides do and good players do. Yeah, I think so too. It's, I think the other thing I always remember is we we have this group there. They become like a family in a really weird, unique way. Like literally, we've had a lot of these, a lot of these guys. We remember them as little kids, as seventeen year um, year olds, eighteen year olds coming through. Fish is definitely one of those where I get a little nostalgic because I still remember his first his first year with his with his hair and then his headband and then all of that and. Um, I'm really bullish to see, I think, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He was later on in the fan camps. I think his name was Andrew. Could be wrong. Apologies on that if I am. But he was talking about, just imagine what two to three full years under this this new regime is going to do for players like this. I mean, spot on. I mean, other guys we haven't mentioned, like Cottrell got a lot of abuse, but you look at a pure wingman's role, had two possessions in the first quarter that don't count as turnovers by Champstar because he kicked it into the face of a Port Adelaide player from two metres. Don't count as a turnover there. After that, was pretty brilliant. Pretty brilliant. Taps and spoils on the ground. Really good overlapping play as well with his half-back and his half-forward flank. Really good. Jack Nunes, everywhere, does the set-field job that he did Last week, Setfield for me, I don't know how he doesn't get in the firing line of Carlton fans because he's neither here or there for me. But both of them did their job. And it's no surprise if you go and watch the VFL, what the VFL struggled with. They couldn't get away from the contest. And Hayes had 39 possessions and absolutely destroyed Richmond. And they got battered because they had yeah. no natural width because we had all the wingmen in our squad. So... They did well. So a lot of players go under the radar. You've got to remember no team has nine out of ten superstars of in, course. In, all across the line. And they're plodders. They're, they're not brilliant. But tell you what, you'd take Cotter's output. If he does that every day of the week, he's in the team. Yeah. I sense that the wing positions are one where the coaching group's gone, all right, well, we've seen O'Brien. He's played... I think he's played okay. I think he's been okay. Is it a situation of, okay, he's not good enough? Or was it just not good enough for them that they, they still wanted to see what Cottrell will do instead? I still think they're figuring that out. I sense that they're still figuring that out. Um, then you've got the Zach Fisher conversation, which I've seen pop up now. Is he an option on the wing? Although the fact that he hits the scoreboard, or sorry, the fact that he did hit the scoreboard is is um is an important factor for for the position that he plays. So, I don't know. It's still an unknown for me. I think there's a few holes that we don't have surety on just yet, but I'm excited to see what happens. Um so what I'll do is we'll move on into the votes. Uh so those of you at home playing along, 3, 2 and 1. Pom, 3, 2 and 1. 3 Sam Walsh return to form. It's shocked everyone. Everyone thought it was Charlie, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I'm shocked at Got to give you some, got to surprise you. Two, Charlie, and uh, one, George Hewitt. Love it. I went three to Charlie. I went two to George Hewitt, and I went one to Sam Walsh. I actually was having breakfast with my family this morning and saw George Hewitt, gave him a little fist bump, told him, good job yesterday, George. It was so cool. He's He is. That's the other question. Is he our best recruit since like Sam Doherty and Chris Judd? What a start. 
he's, I mean, there's Ed Kerner's been probably what Carlton's best consistent performer over the last three years, and you see yeah. why he does the grunt stuff. George Hewitt is Ed Kerner with a touch of class, and he, he's a joy to watch. He's, I mean, I've never ever seen a Carlton player since Judd when he has the ball surrounded by eight people that I just know he's going to hit a target. Some of them handballs and the fact he runs back into trouble almost taking the piss at times. It's almost like he likes it. Like, I reckon he enjoyed that. You know, I looked at his face and it was when they kicked the goal and there was a stoppage inside forward 50 and he had a grin on his face. It was like he was like, oh, I've got to win this one. I love this. He loves it. I was it. like, imagine being next to him because he's calm. He loves it. Yeah, no, he, he's been he's been a delight. He's been a delight, and I think we should be looking. Well, you brought up the quotes just now from from last year. Who remembers Kane Corns on Trade Radio saying that he had no idea why Carlton would offer him four years at four fifty a year? He thought it was a bad deal. He was criticizing it, mate. We pay George Hewitt half the money Dylan Shields on at Essendon. By contrast, it's a steal. It's an absolute steal, and trying to think the last time we were talking about such a bargain uh, of a contract, maybe like a Liam Jones, but George deserves all the props that, that he is getting. It's good to see people really give him the kudos he deserves. Mate, I'm shocked Ken Collins had a bad take. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought? Who, who would have thunk it? Hey, mm. I mean, come on, Ken, Ken Collins knows nothing about football. You can put me on no. record for that. Um, I want to turn the conversation as we end the uh, the round five review onto a little something that happened after the game, which was disappointing, but I think it should be addressed. Uh, Tommy Rockliffe was spat on with his son at the game. Now he was put it up on Twitter. He was talking about he was getting a bit lippy and all in good fun. You go to the footy, you, you, you yell out, you scream out, you get a bit um, of the rivalry going, going with the opposition teams and, uh, I don't know who it was, if it was one person or, or a bunch of people spat on him with uh, with his son there. I I can't believe it still happens in 2022. We're still talking about it. I really can't. I was really surprised at it. Um, what was your What was your take on it? Well, I mean, not great. I mean, I just can't believe any human being would even spit on someone. To be honest, I can't think of anything more shameful, to be honest. But then if you add into the fact he was with his child as well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that's warrants ever giving anyone abuse when they're with a kid. Yeah. Even if you hate someone, do you know what I mean? Leave it, leave it. So, I mean, whoever that guy is, from your Uncle Pom, I can't give you a higher title of melt. You've yeah. defined whatever melt is and people think it is. Whoever spat on him, melt. Big yeah. one. Just thought we'd we'd bring it up because it's he's he's a really top notch guy, Tommy Rockliffe, really top notch guy. I've met him a couple of times up in Shanghai and just a quality human being. And um, he just he loves the footy. He loves getting amongst it. He loves he loves the banter side of things. He, he does it in good spirit. So it's a shame when such a small subsection of any community ruin ruin it for everyone else. And I hope that that doesn't reflect on everyone everyone else that supports the club. But we will address it. We will move on. Mate, that's round five done. That's it. Easy doves. Four and one, baby. Four and one, baby. Um, the Carlton Reserves. What did, what did we think about the Carlton Reserves from the standpoint of 
did anyone really play well enough to push themselves up for selection? In short, no one excited me. Okay. No one, no one got me salivating. I did like Stocker's game. It was very limited in his output. Yes. Right? So you look at the core numbers, it worked gravy. Defensively, though, he was very sound, very assured. Some nice passages of play. But like O'Brien, I love O'Brien and I want to like him. But my concern when I watched O'Brien is I was like, right, you've been dealt a bit of a blow. In my opinion, you're stiff, mate. Like yep. You've been knocked out of the side and Setfield is still there. However, Cottrell Noons, been averaging close to 30 touches each in the reserves, 15 touches, and the ball went out there as well. They looked to exit. He just couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. But Carroll was good. Nice game from him. He'll probably be two weeks away. If he get, It seems to be Voss wants this three-batch of form. So I reckon two weeks he could be putting pressure on that wing spot. Was was very good on yeah. the wing. Um, but the first time we've really seen it this year. So that, that was about it, the takeout. Apart from that, a few guys just, yeah, just meandering. It won, it won a great game for them, though. Richmond schooled them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I had a look at the um, – I was only following the stats – um, I saw Stocker stats just from a, from a from a statistical point of view. It didn't scream out as much as what last week did. I was very curious as to how he had played. Just on Liam Stocker, for those of you who didn't see it, um, he he's been working with Beyond Blue for some time now as a as an advocate for um, mental health issues. You know, and even more particularly with with his battle with with anxiety, and um, did a really great piece uh, on the Beyond Blue YouTube channel and, and the video came out and he's a he's a he's he's quite a remarkable and we've spoken about it a lot he's quite a remarkable and well spoken and well thought out human being and I I sense he's really found his purpose as to who he wants to be and the legacy he wants to leave as a man I think he's starting to really find that and I'm I'm excited for him it was interesting to hear him talk about the like the, the the dichotomy between playing in front of 70, 80,000 people, not a worry in the world. As soon as he leaves being a footballer, he he goes through what he goes through. And I just hope for him to get a little bit more luck with with the body that he that he hasn't really had over the last couple of years. And and I hope to see him play, you know, just eight to ten matches in a row and and really start thriving and, and becoming the the player that that we know he, he's going to become. And, you know, he's not just defined by him being a footballer. He's, he's a lot more than that. But it's it's exciting to see some of these these boys have their their, their thoughts articulated and, and put out there and, and just to see what they're standing for. Mate, I couldn't agree with that. I mean, any young girls and young boys watching this show at home, one of the hardest things to do is in any human being and... I look at my parents, think about your parents if you're young, how often they admit mistakes and times that they've been vulnerable. To do that, as he did in that video, as raw and honest, shows a level of human being that is higher than a lot of people because the hardest thing you can do is open your heart and be vulnerable. And it sounds weird, but if you're young out there, you're defined not by your job, not by your money, not by your upbringing, you're defined about your heart and people smell the, the heart. People might not admit it, but they see it. 
And if you can look in the face of adversity like that and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not okay, and talk about it bravely, yeah. you are the most super. That is a superpower. And you know what, Liam, Liam Stocker, superhuman. Like I, I don't often cry. That that cut me to the core because he was raw, he was honest, and we need more people like that in the world. And if you're young out there and you're you're looking for someone to be. Be the best you you can be, warts and all, and don't give a fuck what anyone thinks because that is how you'll be happy. And what a superhero he is. That's a hero in my book. Beautiful great, human being. Yeah, a great young man. We wish him nothing but the best. Um, let's talk about Saturday night coming up, round six. Um, it's Frio. It's in Perth at Optus Stadium. They had a really good win against the Bombers. They're sitting pretty... In second spot, we're both on 16 points. Um, what are your early? I know it's very early in the week, but what are your early thoughts on this? I think if we're talking about the psychological edge, you've got to remember that the last two weeks have been teams statistically who batter us, even the last three weeks, teams that seem to know how to beat Cow and a lot of bad memories. Do you know I mean a lot of bad memories? This side, though. Almost feels like they're we're on, but we can't lose to them. I would imagine a lot of these players, are like you know what, Kerno went down like five minutes into one game, and then Cripper wasn't there, and we beat them. Do you know what I mean? I reckon that this, for a psychology wise, that these guys are going to have fresh, positive thoughts. It's going to be a tough game, though. These guys are no mugs. Like what what they've done over there, what Justin's done over there is nothing short of remarkable. They play yeah. a modern day game. They're good on the outside, probably a little bit. Showing, if anything, us brand of inside could hurt them a bit. Outside of Taberner, they're not really much of a threat up forward, but he is a bit of a threat himself. Rory lobs a bit and miss. It's going to be a tough game. It's a tough game. Carlton will go into this game not favourites, which probably suits them. But this is it. This I'm going to say this now. Carlton win this. Finals is locked away. The statistical probability of not playing finals from five and one is almost like, you know, Taylor Swift hacking this and saying, Pom, marry me. That yeah. That is the statistical probability. So it's huge. It's a it's an eight-point game. It is an eight-point game. We do play them twice, I believe. I believe we play them another another time here in Melbourne. And, yeah, there is a little bit of that with Frio. We, we have seemed to be the older brother to Frio. And the image comes into my head of when we beat them at Marvel Stadium last year and Cripps picking up Sarong. Um, and that was last year. And that was that was obviously early in the season. We had lost our first two, I think. Um, I I have a bit more confidence in how we stack up against them. And in a, in a funny way, I don't see us having such a big swing in the game the way we've seen over the last few weeks because I actually think this one will be wire-to-wire wire all game. They're, they're no pushovers. And do you know what I mean? No. Like... This league this year has shown you anyone can beat anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hawthorne last week ran away with St Kilda. This week controlled Geelong, who were many people's, oh, can they beat Melbourne? So it's going to be a tough game. But I would say if I was in the Frio camp, I wouldn't want this game now. They're on a bit of a run. And they're like, Jesus, though, they always beat us. It's in their ball court now. They've got doubt. We should turn up and be like, you know what? We've done it. 
when we were dog shit. We can do it now. We're good. And Cripps is back. And he looked hungry, didn't he? Felt sorry for Cripps. Half time. Big beaming smile like, yeah, how good's yeah. this? My boys are winning. <laughs> and then I bet he was shitting himself. So I bet he can't wait to get out there. And I predict Chera to go mental. This game. This is going to be his game. Well, we spoke last week about the Walsh Chera connection. I actually think it, for the first time this season, took a big step forward, especially in that first quarter in, in round five. That I think that'll only get better. Um, Chera had a, a, quite a few more uncontested possessions than contested possessions, which suggested what we spoke about last week about him playing a bit more on the wing. Is that something you'd want to see more of? Yeah, I think you saw it in the fourth quarter. He went back more centrally and there was many a time that Walsh and Chera, they're so instinctive, God bless them, that they go for the same ball. There was a wonderful passage of play about 11 minutes into the fourth where Walsh picks the ball up and Chera's actually helping the opposition tackle him just out of instinct. And I was like, oh, boys, come on. But I think this is the game. You know, every player's had kind of a welcome to Carlton, you now love me. I reckon this is his game. I reckon this is the game. Chera turns it on and says, you know what? This is what you're missing. Yeah. Well, what are the changes for this week that you can flag? I mean, don't know where Cripps is at. They say it's a minor one. I'm not sure how minor it is. We're going to find out over the next few days. I'm trying to think who else is in the reserves that we can would want to be getting straight in. Is there anybody that you want to take out? I'd have one change. Satfield out. If Cripps fit, Cripps in. Okay. And what if Cripps is not in? If Cripps is not in, I would take Satterfield out and bring Dow in. And, and okay. Dow's got to play this week somewhere, shape or form. I do think that that is the stupidest thing Carlton have ever done, playing him as a sub when he's been on a bounce of good form. Whether that's to get him around the boys, uh, or Max due back this week, but he was a test. So he's definitely going to need a game. So there's no one really coming back. So yeah, Cripper. Ripper in, Satterfield straight strop, go out there and batter these flogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on the same wavelength. Um, Will, I'm always going to keep the faith. Just, it's just, I think he's just figuring it out. I think there's a bit of, I'm not sure. There's just something that he hasn't quite figured out. Yeah, I don't think he's playing poorly. I just don't think he's being as influential as what I think I know he can be. No, I agree with you. I, I think he's had opportunity, though. So, like, I think Voss is a very intelligent coach. And Port Adelaide, this is one thing that's annoyed me about Carlton, is they bring a guy in from the reserves, drop him straight away. Port Adelaide, why they're really successful with their young kids is they all get two to three games. So I thought Parks did some wonderful things. I didn't see his bowl distribution. And that was what was great in VFL. So that's probably... I'm a little bit scared, which is understandable. So this week, definitely, if we can get a rotation policy of two chances to shine, second chance not taken, back to the VFL you go next in line, and keep some honest. So other than that, Oscar McDonald, maybe if he was fit, but the fact he didn't train and failed the fitness test, even for the VFL, would say to me that he does need the game. He does need the game. I think so. I think so. Well, the week will continue tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Almost Blues Brothers podcast comes out. Be sure to check that out. And I've got another preview for the Jumper Punch. It's episode 31. So they've gone to get 
a great that wears a number 31. I, I think you're starting to see a theme here. Last week was was really good, by the way, with, with Jared Wade. I think people got around that interview uh, quite a bit. But uh, as for tomorrow night, well, this is who the special guest is. Hi, Tom Alvin, number 31. If you thought I was a dashing player back in the 80s, nothing compared to boys on the jumper punch. Tuesday, 8 o'clock. These old Carlton legends, Tommy Alvin. I can't say I watched, have watched a second of him play football. Obviously, seen some highlights and, and whatnot, but um, he's a name that comes up uh, with uh, the people that watched him play a lot. Hey, he's, he's a folk hero. You hear a lot of the older guys. You can see some of the, the lovely ones, big friends of the channel, Sean Costello and Lana, getting super excited and. We know Lana loves her players as well. So it'd be a good one to watch so we can be a bit educated because I was two years old when he played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember nothing. I wasn't alive to watch him at all. So, <laughs> so I've made everyone in chat feel old and so he's made me feel old. So there we are. <laughs> Love it. Um, and yeah, Pommy, what's on for the week, mate? What have we got to look forward to on, on the Pommy and Oz YouTube channel? Oh, Pommy and Oz YouTube channel. We have... A special guest for the VFL rap. So from a brand new podcast. So he's making his video debut. So look out for that. Friday, we'll have the review. We'll probably have a FIFA stream in there where you can come and talk bollocks. Um, we've done the hard one though, but make sure you send your, your questions after the game at Pommy and Oz on Twitter. I try and answer them all. It's getting harder. These videos are getting fucking longer as well because people are just throwing the questions in. So get them in and um, I will try and answer them analytically and with an element of humor. I like that. I like that. Also, we did tick over the 7,000 mark over the last few days. We're now at 7,041 subscribers. So thank you very much. I do have a little bit of a an internal goal in the head. Would love to see 10,000 by the end of the year, but um, it is it is really just a vanity metric, to be honest. The numbers um, are what they are, and, and when, when 10K happens, 10K happens. But uh, do want to appreciate uh, every single one of you that's been part of this since since the beginning. It is the fourth birthday of the channel, um, of the whole platform. And yeah, just full of gratitude today, Pom. I really was. It was a good day of reflection. Well, you should do. And I think the biggest news is that that little rat fiend-looking guy... Swoop Luke, pot shot in Carlton. Interesting statistic for you, because I know he likes statistics because he listens to me because he can't count. Um, he's only got 2,000 subscribers. I'm just about to surpass him, which means Blue Abroad are three and a half times larger than him. Um, <laughs> I mean, talk about Mickey Mouse YouTube channels. Tell you what, Kev's Magpies won't be far off, you know, taking over Swoop Luke. <laughs> we love Luke. He got me good this week. He we do love him. He he he. Sometimes he gets me, and I just have to respond. But just tweeting about us all the time. Just, I, I it's a really good exercise in just restraint. Um, you love to hate him, don't you? Like, like yeah, he's the I best. I talk he's... to him, and I want to glass him, but I would drive him to hospital. <laughs> but no, that's how he is. It's all building up to our, our clash with Collingwood, which we'll get there when we get there. But that's exciting. That's coming up. It is. Um, Pommy, thank you as always, mate. Thanks for being here. Thanks for always being here. And 
you guys at home, thanks for tuning in tonight. We will speak to you over the next few days. The preview for Saturday's game will come out likely tomorrow, if not Wednesday. And uh, we'll go from there. Enjoy your night and uh, go the Mighty Blues. God bless.